This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Ward Keller, the Territory Law Firm. Hello there. Welcome. This is the Territory Story Podcast, the weekend edition. My name is Peter Gowers. Joining me, as he most often does, Mr. Leon Logan Nathan, my co host. How are you, mate? Good, mate. One of these days, I'm going to have to let you fly solo. <laughs> oh, I might know what to do. I'll be stumped. <laughs> of course, it's the weekends with Walshy edition, so we need to introduce our other co-host for the night, Mr. Christopher Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper. How are you, Walshy? Hey, I'm good, guys. Good to see you again. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you, Chris. Good to see you. Uh, we've been getting all sorts of interesting commentary this week about uh, about our association with the Independent. Um, oh, yes, I've been rung up and asked me, why do I hang around with that guy? I'm going to be tarred with the same brush. And then um, someone left a, a, um, a uh, review uh, for us on the, uh, we've been asking people to do it. So they left a review for us on Apple Podcasts. And it's our first four-star review. All of them have been five stars until this one came along. And it was by a guy called Dave. Hi, Dave. Thank you for your review. Uh, he said, great job, guys. Love the stories. Um, but uh, what's the go with weekends with Walshi? How come it's always so negative? So I don't know, Chris. Is it because negativity sells? What's the, <laughs> what's the go, mate? Jeez, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I hadn't <laughs> considered that before. Um, what about a positive news story, Chris? What do you got for us on that front? <laughs> well, positive yeah, news. I Somebody mean, was sacked today. <laughs> And, and you get two koala stems if it's positive about the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm in the business of doing that. Uh, you know, if look, if, if there was some good stuff, and look, I think that I think that the podcast has been positive. I mean, we talk about a lot of things that um, that you know aren't being picked up by other people or aren't talking about, and I think that that's it can only be positive to continue a conversation or to hold a conversation about things that can be done to make this place better. And I don't know how you get any more positive than that. And, you know, it's not like we've been dragging people down or anything. Um, we've just talked about uh, what we see, I guess, as, as ways to improve the place. That's, I know that the three of us are very much um, aligned on that, that, uh, that we want to see this place function better, um, perform better for everybody and really succeed. So, yeah, you know, he's entitled to his opinion, but I, I think we'll keep going. I like what we're doing here. Okay, <laughs> just, just to be clear for future reference, we do like um, reviews and you can go to the Apple podcast platform to do that. But um, we prefer five-star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to leave one for us. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, it's all about open openness and accountability and I think that's very, very important. But at the same time, you know, um, uh, you know, I think uh, journalistic integrity and all that sort of stuff is, is important. So if people feel that, uh, you know, um, uh, the anti-independent isn't doing their job, then by all means, uh, raise raise the issues and explain why. Explain your position. I, I don't think Chris is afraid of that. Are you, Chris? No, no, I welcome that as well. No, we, look, when we when we started the paper, we figured look, we want it to be that. I mean, the best papers in the world are ones that um, maybe infuriate people at times too, but at least present all sides and uh, open open people's minds a bit. And that's what we what we aim to do every day. So yeah, we. We love hearing from people about everything. Yeah. yeah, great. Well, talking on the subject of openness, uh, 
You attended the uh, swearing-in ceremony for the new cabinet on Monday, did you, Chris? <laughs> Where they opened the gates and let you out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're being very open. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and this is this is a funny part. It's funny you mention that piece because uh, so I've covered these things for well six years now, and so I'm, I'm trying to think of how many times I've been there for cabinet swearing in. And I was thinking about the previous CLP government, the Giles one, and I was like, I think I was there six times just for them. Mm. Like just all the cabinet shuffles <laughs> yeah, yeah. and reshuffles that they had. Um, so anyway, so I'm thinking about that as we're going up there, and this would, would only really be the second one for Gunner. And I was there at the first one for him in 2016. So um, anyway, we, 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 David Wood and I, digital editor, we approached, uh, David's got the camera. Anyway, we approached... Um, uh, government house and the gate was closed, like completely closed. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's odd. That's not usually how it's done. So we kept walking up and then all of a sudden they opened the gate for us as we approach and we walk in and we said, hi. And they said, oh, are you with, are you with the media? And we said, yeah, actually, yeah, we're here to cover. We're from the NT Independent. We're here to cover the swearing-in ceremony. So she said, okay, well, wait here in the shade. It was kind of a hot day. And um, so the, this, this woman goes off. And she comes back and she says, okay, over this way. And she escorts us over to where the cameras are setting up. Um, she says, there's going to be a press conference here. So, okay. They introduced us to another woman there. I can't remember her name now. And as soon as I said, hi, I'm Chris Walsh, you know, you could see in her face right away. Uh-oh. <laughs> that, uh, Uh-oh. The, the reputation proceeded. She was thinking myself. about the trip to see the Queen, was she? She was concerned no, about the grow house, I think, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, you know, we were friendly enough and said hello to her, and then uh, we got talking to Matt Cunningham from Sky News, who was lurking about waiting for the press compressor to start and so this woman kind of gets out of our line of sight and she just slowly slinks away <laughs> and uh goes around the corner and then a, a few minutes later you know we're talking to Matt about you know politics and what's going on and uh, this other woman comes out and she says uh you know you're, you're, you're you two aren't allowed to be here from the independent and i said oh and why is that and she said well you're not on the guest list and I said, oh, the guest list, huh? I said, I don't know, Matt, are you on the guest list? And Matt Cunningham says, no, I'm not on the guest list. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so, like, you know, yeah, and I, and I talked to some other people who said there is no guest list. And there never, there never has been a guest list for media there. Like, you know, I think maybe when they bring the ministers, if they bring their family, I think that that's a guest list. But never for the media. So, um. Anyway, we said, I said to the woman, okay, well, and she said, so you guys have to leave. And I said, well, I'd like to see the guest list and just see everybody's name is on there. And how do we get on the guest list? Because we'd be happy to. So she takes us around back to the front and she goes inside and she comes out and she says, oh, well, you know, Matt Cunningham's been added this morning. First thing he was added. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah. So you guys didn't think that he might want to cover the swearing in ceremony until first thing this morning. I said, okay, um, you know, add us. Just add us to the list. We're we're happy yeah. to be added now. No, that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, so she said, "No, nah, you got to go." And calling security, you know, we asked her, you know, to show us the list again and, and exactly how one gets on the list. Well, there's no list, so they were making up all of that stuff. So anyway, we we ended up leaving. Now, in the process of all of that, though, you've got a very serious issue there with the Queen's representative. 
uh, in the Northern Territory now banning the free press from attending events that they're legally, uh, you know, allowed to uh, to attend, and then in fact that that I have attended for years at that at that same venue. So uh, we called around, of course. You know, this is this is part of um, the Gunnar government's ban on us, ongoing ban on us that we were hoping to to kind of uh, kind of get past, really. And and so it was that weekend before on the Friday, once we saw the results of everything, when things were becoming official, I sent uh, Maria Bilius an email um, saying, "Hey, Maria, you know, I'd like to catch up and discuss." You know, first of all, congratulations on the election victory. Um, we'd like to catch up and discuss how the independent's going to cover the Gunner government for the next four years and uh, more particularly the, the 14th parliament. Uh, no response over the weekend. Uh, it wasn't until I think later that day after that incident at uh, the administrator's house that um, she wrote back and said that she still had some personal issues with Owen Pike, who of course is the owner of the independent. Um, you know, and I, I've told you guys before, I worked with Maria for years at the NT News when she was between uh, government gigs. Uh, and so she knows me and she knows what, how I operate editorially. And uh, she's even said that before. Yeah, look, it's not you. It's the owner. And I, and I still don't get that. But it's clearly, you know, she says, oh, he's just said disparaging things about ministers and female ministers. And, um, you know, it's unacceptable behavior as if they are now the arbiters of what is acceptable and unacceptable behavior. I mean, I, it just took me right back to when, you know, Jerry Wood, how dare he uh, voice his opinion in Parliament about the sex laws that they were passing and saying that he had a personal issue with prostitution. And, oh, that is offensive. That's unacceptable, Jerry. You withdraw that comment and <laughs> they jump on him and they're going to cancel him right there. They're going to put an X on him and throw him out at Parliament for voicing his opinion. The man's entitled to it. We may not agree with it, but he's entitled to it, but not, not under this, this, this labor, you know, uh, gunner government. So, um, I, w I was really trying to, and I, and I told her, look, you know, uh, the chief minister had some issues with, with that Facebook page government that Owen was running that was, again, in no way connected to us. It was a Facebook page to the publisher, you know, that, that Owen as the owner, um, well, Owen as a citizen, as an Australian citizen was running on its own. Um, anyway, that, that's been shut down. So you remember when a media watch gunner said, uh, I'm not going to support a, a paper that supports a hate page or something. And mm. still don't know what that means exactly, except that, well, that page doesn't exist anymore. It was never a hate page. Anyway, it was a satirical, you know, juvenile yeah. insult page basically, <laughs> but it, it doesn't exist anymore. So I said, look, let's just, just get on. Let's move on with things here. Let's put mm -hmm. Territorians first here and, and, and talk about how we're going to get information to them. And so they didn't want to do that. They still have personal issues. I guess their feelings are still hurt. Yeah. Um, so there's not really much I can do about that is to continue to extend the olive branch and, 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 and offer to work with them. And we do every day. And every day we do a story about somebody one of their ministers or the chief minister, we, we send them questions. We always give them a the right of reply and an opportunity to comment. So anyway, so getting back to that, to that day at the administrator's house, uh, was it on Tuesday? I'm swearing in. So we got back to the office, uh, spoke to the MEAA, the media mm -hmm. entertainment and arts Alliance, Marcus Strom there. He assures that, you know, there'll be some, some action from the union uh, moving forward here. Uh, we talked to a whole, a wide range of people 
on Tuesday, including, you know, one of the, the, the preeminent uh, constitutional uh, legal experts in the country, of course, with George Williams. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, George said, yeah, there's some issues here, uh, constitutional issues now, um, with, you know, the government banning, first and foremost, but also now the administrator. Um deciding that she can eject people from uh, political events who are there to, who have a legitimate reason to be there. So, you know, that that's uh, another legal predicament that, that the Gunner government's found itself in by, by wanting to ban the free press. And so we reported that, and, you know, George said that it is unusual. And, um, you know, the, the, the Constitution guarantees that uh, right of political communication and that this could very well be a violation of that. So we'll see where that goes to. I mean, there's, there's, there's kind of so many things still going on. I really, I really thought that, that they would kind of get over this. Um, and then we could kind of work together. You know, the ban was in place for six months or something. Um, let's just kind of move on with this new term of government. Let's start fresh. Um, we made every effort to do that and they, they just haven't. So, uh, we'll continue to see what happens, but of course, we'll be back here talking about this again before too long. Um, and certainly, there will be some action taken. Uh, uh, we've been told, so we'll see. How so, it goes. are you are you uh, a member of the MEAA? Um, I'm I'm not personally, but uh, David Wood is, and oh, okay. uh, yeah, and we've worked with those guys before on other things. So, yeah, yeah. I was going to I was going to ask that. Is it is it a a requirement to be part of the union or is it just that they're an overarching body that represents, you know, all, all media professionals? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they uh, want to sign up as many people as they can, but also at the same time, they're not going to be as petty um, as to see a, a blatant breach of, uh, you know, democratic values and just leave that un, unnoticed or uncommented on. Um, they would always, they'll always defend uh, journalists clearly. And, you know, this week, um, with what was going on in China, I know on Tuesday, Marcus was saying that they were quite, uh, you know, preoccupied with the whole, um, you know, ABC and uh, AFR reporters being ejected from China. So, mm. of course, you know, these these um, um, assaults, I guess, on, on, uh, on the fourth estate all over the world, China, the administrator of the Northern Territory, the Queen's representative, I mean, who? Who's next to start uh, deciding, uh, you know, how journalists do their job? I don't know. It's not a good, not a good scene right now for journalists anywhere. Chris, the new cabinet. I mean, that went ahead anyway. Notwithstanding that uh, the NT Independent wasn't there to cover it, what <laughs> happened there? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we uh, we knew exactly where it would go. It was on uh, Monday. Uh, Michael Gunner announced his new um, his new team. Uh, the big the big news there, of course, was that. Uh, treasurer Nicole Madison is no longer the treasurer and an unusual uh, uh, move Michael Gunner himself has decided that uh, that he's best placed to be the treasurer uh, so you know wow. Uh, wow. yeah you get paid right for that no, I was really really surprised about that what's the thinking behind that Chris well, there's a few theories. Um, you know, one, somebody was saying, you know, has, does he think that um, his success at the polls there was, you know, indicative of, of, of uh, people, territorial support 
of him as he just got in a big head now and thinks he can do everything himself here and that that's what people want. I'm not sure about that. I think it's something else. Um, really what I, when I, when I first heard that, I thought, okay, he's, he's consolidating power and whether or not that's a good idea, I don't know, but he, and then you saw that at the same time, somebody in the public service sent me an internal email that Jody Ryan had sent around about the, uh, the merger of some departments. And you start to see that the Department of Chief Minister uh, has been expanded. It's definitely, you know, a super or mega department now, um, which, you know, has some housing things in there and, and, and oversight on a lot of other things, including like public employment commissioner. And, uh, and then that's interesting, right? Because he knows that, um, that he's going to have to, well, he's been told that he should cut some, some public servants. So that's, that's interesting to watch. But it really looked to me like there was a consolidation of power now. And, and what I mean by that is he no longer, there's no one else at the table with him to separate his, his roles and responsibilities as the chief minister with the roles and responsibilities of the treasurer. So you've got a guy now who, as the chief minister, is supposed to be kind of the salesman, right? He's the one who comes up with the big ideas. He's the one out, out there. And this is how it's supposed to go, a leader um, of a political party in any state, territory, or province, I'm thinking in Canada. Um, you know, the, the chief minister, the premier's the leader. He's out there, you know, selling the ideas to everybody. That's what they do. The treasurer is, you know, the money person who says what they can afford and what they can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then usually you've, you need, uh, the bad guy in there somewhere too, like an attorney general, um, somebody to take, you know, a lot of bad news and stuff and spin it. And, um, that's kind of what, what they've tried in the first four years, right? So you've got Gunner who's trying to be the salesman, though he's not a very accomplished one at that. Um, and you've got Nicole Madison being the, uh, the money woman in this case who should be across everything and be telling, you know, not just the chief minister, but uh, other ministers, what they can, and, you know, with the, the, you know, great idea, but we can't afford this and we need to be watching the purse strings and that you didn't really see that in four years. And files was kind of the person who would take the fall on some things um, and announce the bad news. So what he's done now is essentially taken out that, um, that, that kind of check and balance there. And of course, um, in, in the form of the treasurer, and now he's the treasurer. And so his department, so him and Jody Ryan now, are in charge of the biggest department, being Department of Chief Minister in the Public Service, but also Treasury. And now Treasury answers to Michael Gunner. And, you know, Jody Ryan was the under-treasurer before, so she'll now have, um, I guess, oversight back into that and then be running that. So there's no one else at the table. So, thing, you know, decisions will be made. And it's going to be those two, really, who will make the decisions and then come into the cabinet room and tell cabinet how it's going to be. And that, you know, and when we heard about that when, when Ken Vowles left was that he was talking about that, that it, was, that it wasn't a discussion at the table amongst ministers. It was top-driven. It was Elf Leonardi telling Michael Gunner what was going to be done and Gunner coming into the cabinet room and telling them. And so that's what they've kind of done now. Um, but they've heightened it. They've made these departments bigger and more powerful. And now there really is no other person in there who would actually know. Like you would think that Nicole Madison would have known about spending any spending issues. I'm not sure that she was ever really across that when, you know, you, you look at it in hindsight now. Um, so what does this mean? I, 
yeah, it just to me he's consolidated power and it's and it's you know, and then he was on he was asked about that on ABC Radio today. And he said, um he said, No, that's not because you know, Rolf Garretson had, had said what I was was thinking was that, you know, that that he's kind of judge and jury now, is how Rolf Garretson put it, that uh he decides the programs and he decides which ones get funded. So, um, and he was asked about that and he said, no, no, that's, that's an old way of looking at it. That's not how we do it. Uh, the way that I do it is, you know, everybody talks, everybody makes a decision on things and it's like, oh my God, like I got it. You know, that's, it, that's the opposite of what we've heard from people who've been in the cabinet room. And furthermore, I'm not even sure that the way that he, that his ideal is, you know, what he, what he says goes on there would even would even work sometimes like sometimes there's gonna have to be people cracked down there's gonna have to be arguments about but you know look when you look at that langeland report it showed that the treasurer never said no the treasurer never said no to a minister who showed up and said um i, I, I want you know 15 million for this project i think it's going to be really good okay they, they would just say okay they'd rubber stamp it and nobody would ever check on whether that program was achieving what it should so you really think now that things are going to have more oversight with a man who's already stretched as being chief minister, now also being the treasurer and having to, to safeguard every single dollar. I, I think it's a really reckless decision. Mm. Well, I was thinking about it from a different angle because uh, regardless of whether Nicole Madison did a good job or not, uh, the one thing that was readily apparent to me during this in the last 12 months was the incredible amount of discipline that the Labor Party, you know, and the Labor government showed uh, in terms of there was, you know, not unlike the CLP that just basically fell apart in the screaming heap. Uh, Labor just, you know, bit their tongue, held it together, uh, and even on election night, you know, when uh, when uh, Gunnar was up there uh, doing his uh, his speech. You know, Nicole Madison and uh, Natasha Files were all standing there politely uh, golf clapping. Um, you, you didn't see, uh, you know, any kind of dissent. Yep. Now, at some stage, you'd have to wonder whether something's got to give mm. because, you know, Nicole Madison has not said a thing about this demotion or whatever you want to call it you know, taking Treasury away, I think is a big deal, especially if you believe what some people are saying about her or, or, or Natasha Files potentially being the next Chief Minister. Yeah. So, you know, has some deal been done regarding that? Yeah, well, look, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think a lot of people would say that probably Madison was happy to see the end of it, that, um, you know, that maybe somewhere she, maybe she's the one who understood that she wasn't up to the job. Well, then why the is she deputy with, chief minister? Yeah, well, that's a lot easier than being you know? treasurer. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 I mean, deputy is, is, the, is the natural progression to chief. And if you can't cut it as, as a treasurer. Uh, well, only if there's an assassination, Leon. Yeah, yeah, because if there's a political assassination, like, you know, Madison and Gunnar, like, you know, when he got up on election night with that speech, what did he say? Like, to the best wing woman ever, Nicole mm -hmm. Madison? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they're holding hands, they're in love. He, she's not going to do anything to him. What you've got to look further at is the factional divides in, in terms of the left and right divisions in labor and in the mm -hmm. caucus right now. And I believe the two, you know, it's about evenly, evenly split. We were looking at the other day, um, and I don't have that now in front of me, 
But we were looking at that the other day and thinking, well, look, he's got about seven on the left side and seven on the right. Mm-hmm. So how does that go? Um, could this could this swing against him? Are there rumblings? Well, yeah. I mean, we've heard that that's been going on for a little while now, and, then, and with the full anticipation that he was going to win a majority government. So, uh, yeah, at what point does somebody make a move? And, you know, Labour has this long history of imploding on itself anyway, um, especially here in the territory. And, um, yeah, we, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch, but that, that factional divide is going to be something. And um, Files is certainly counted on the other faction. Well, it's, uh, yes, and I noticed Leah Fanocchiara was throwing a bit of uh, fuel on the fire there with asking the question on Kate, uh, uh, Kate Wolf's show the other day about, um, about why Joel B- Bowden isn't in, in the cabinet. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, what did she say? What was, what she's was, warming uh, up on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's just doing the pot, you know. Um, what did trying, she say? Oh, she just said, oh, I was really surprised that Joel Bowden wasn't part of the yeah. cabinet, you know. Yeah, I've heard some some reasons about that, but it's not fair to say right now. Mm. I'm still kind of looking into that, but I mean, you you would he's you would too competent. <laughs> yeah, well, he's seen as a threat, and um, mm-hmm. Gunner does. Gunner's never watched uh, you know old mafia movies or anything. <laughs> Doesn't know about keeping them closer. <laughs> yeah, he's he's letting them run run wild, and maybe he shouldn't, but. Um, yeah, look, yeah, I think that's something to be to be looking for in the next uh, little while. And 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 really, he's he's set himself up as a really big target by taking treasury too. Oh, I, mean, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's there's one yeah. guy now who's responsible yeah. Yeah. for everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, I mean, and especially when they've gone from what 1.7 billion to 8.2 billion in four years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's no hope of reducing that. I mean, the, the whole. I mean. Pete, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the public service job cuts in a minute, but what is that? It's going to save, what, 500, four, how many million? Five million a year. Five million, yeah. Five million. <laughs> so they're borrowing four a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not big yeah. savings. But, yeah, you know, and uh, but back to that, we've got our taking on board. The other, the other thing, just on the ministerial reshuffle there, and there's probably a lot of things we can talk about. Well, and we'll get into the department, so I'll just stick to the ministers right now. But um, interesting that we have two housing ministers now. Um, I don't know if that's a good idea either, but, uh, of course, that's Chancey Pake who will be in charge now of, uh, of remote housing, which has been, as we know, Jeremy <laughs> McCarthy's really yeah. dropped the ball on that over the last four years, and they haven't got anywhere near close to the, to the, the billion dollars that they're supposed to be spending. So now that uh, chance in charge of that, Kate Warden will be in charge of um, of uh, urban housing. Um, that's kind of interesting. Now, the other thing, I think one of the big losers was Lauren Moss. I thought the NT News had a really good photo of them showing up to the swearing-in. And Lauren Moss, if you saw that photo, they're all happy. Gunner's walking. You know, he's got files of Madison next to him. And, and he's doing this tough guy thing, walking down the street. And then way in the background off the side was Lauren Moss just like staring at the ground, kicking a can, <laughs> you know, saying, oh, shucks, guys, I lost my portfolio. And how does she lose that portfolio? Mm-hmm. So she was, she, the only thing she really had was tourism. And, uh, well, there is no tourism. There's anymore. no industry left, so no need for a minister. Yeah. Um, wow. So they gave it the files, but, and they've really, she's really been demoted, but, um, 
and and that's got to just be on a performance thing. She's really not been a good performing minister, so she's given some some junior portfolios uh, to handle now, and I guess that's just where she'll be. Um, and file so, and then back to files losing attorney general and giving that to Selena Yubo, um was a bit uh, odd too. I, I hadn't heard any real complaints about files as attorney general. Um, and I just think of that as, you know, it is, a, it is a pretty prominent portfolio. And I remember the previous previous attorney general, John Elfring, I mean, he coveted that. I mean, he would dress up in the robes and stuff and dance around. And, <laughs> don't go there, don't go there. No, don't go there, don't go there. He's very <laughs> sensitive about the robes. <laughs> but you remember he, he, he got, like, he, he studied to get his law degree and, ABC asked him about that. Well, why are you doing that while you're sitting in here? And he said, well, I, I may be called on to represent the Northern Territory in the court of law. And that's, no, that's never happening, John. No, 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 never going to happen. So, it, but anyway, it is, it is a big, uh, it is a big portfolio to take. And Files no longer has that, but she definitely has some other, some other big ones that uh, is going to do. But it, it gets back to Gunner Gunners, the, the one man now who's taken on full responsibility for the economy and the state of the finances and the, and the debt, like you say. So mm. who, yeah, see where that, where that ends up for him. Well, let's talk about the state of the economy and the finances and uh, the proposed job cuts for the public service, which we were told was never going to happen, but all of a sudden there's job cuts. Is it going to make a massive difference, Chris? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, surprise. Surprise. You know, like that, that's the thing though. Like he, he said, yeah, we're not going to cut any jobs. He said, there's going to be some through natural attrition. Well, I mean, that's always been the case. Like they've, you know, that's, it's, that's why they call it natural. Yeah, <laughs> natural attrition. Right. There was contracts yeah. and contracts aren't renewed. People move on. Um, so yeah, I failed to see where that, the, those mergers of the departments are really in anyone's interest. Making, making departments that are unwieldy, like housing and stuff, uh, a bigger is not going to solve any issues here. And DCM too, DCM has some serious issues there. Dipple, uh, yeah, kind of mixing responsibilities in for it. Like that's really weird with housing that, you know, that's mixed in now through a couple of different departments. And I don't really understand that because they've just failed so badly on that. But part of the issue in the housing department was that they needed Dipple to come in and, and do all their uh, procurement because they just they didn't have the ability to do that. So I don't know how mixing that up is going to fix that. But, um, you know, and it, it, yeah, I, $5 million a day, he claims, that, or $5 million will be saved overall for this. And I'm thinking the $4 million a day that he's borrowing. Yeah, that's not going to really do very much in the in the long run. So then, really, why do it? It's got to be about it's it's something else. It surely isn't about cost savings. Are the cost savings just a, a byproduct? It wasn't actually intentional. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. Um, right. Now, twenty twenty sixteen, they did this too. They they merged some departments, uh, and it seemed to be a thing that they wanted to do. And I didn't think it was. I don't, I don't think that, you know, there's this idea that it looks like it's, it's more efficient when you're doing that. But I don't think that in actuality it is. And we know that a lot of, like I said, departments weren't performing very well. And then kind of mixing them together and doing this instead of tackling the problems in the department. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see any benefits here. So then they came out. I think they, they told the NT News yesterday, too, that, oh, you know, 
we're going to save extra money. Um, and they reported that we'll save salaries because we're taking those chief executives from some of the departments who are being absorbed and we're going to put them in to those new departments. <laughs> it's like, okay, I failed to see where, where the money's being saved. Are we firing them or not? <laughs> and we aren't, we aren't. Mm. So yeah, no, I, I don't know. It, it's, you know, and merging these departments and stuff, you look at something like, um, um, primary industries, like nobody really knows who has responsibility for that anymore. Um, and that's pretty serious. I mean, that's one of those economic drivers there that if, if tended to properly, um, could help see us rebound, uh, at least play a very significant role in that moving forward. And they seem not, they seem to have turned their back on primary industries. Um, I was trying to find some of the, the other things. Look, I, I just, I'm still scratching my head over that and I guess we'll see how these things play out. But yeah, it seems that it's for some political convenience more than anything else, even though, you know, Gunnar says he's, he's all for, um, you know, jobs and creating jobs on the economic recovery. But yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm not so sure. And then some of these portfolios that he's handed around too, and probably should have spoke with that earlier. Sorry guys, I just got that up here, but, um, you know, some of these things never existed before. Uh, Minister for Strategic Defense Relations. That's Gunner's <laughs> given himself that. Like, that sounds like a federal title to me. Maybe that's a good job about him. <laughs> he was very good in defense, Joel. He was a great, he was a great backman, actually. <laughs> um, he, he, gave, he gave Madison, I mean, something called Defense Industries, Minister for Defense Industries. So there you go, another maybe defense thing again. That's, maybe that's all these, these might all lead back to this bloody contract that was signed in China, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Now. Uh, Either that, or they're trying to rewrite the constitution so that uh, <laughs> the, the federal power for defence is uh, getting carved out yeah. for the Northern Territory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got Madison here too, who's uh, Minister for Northern Australia and Trade. Well, that's, <laughs> I, okay. I don't should know. be um, minister for the northernest part of Australia. <laughs> and trade. Um, and, then, and then she's also minister for international education. What the heck is that? Wow. Yeah, I don't is know. That, is, that, is, that, is that like minister for Charles Darwin University or something? Or something? Well, it seems to me that it would be like minister for working for CDU to get foreign students to come here from right. China or wherever or, else. Well, maybe it's the... Uh, <laughs> the next lot of junkets that the ministers go on and start yeah. doing education yeah. overseas. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then this other one that was just that raised a few eyebrows this week too, uh, Natasha Files, Minister for National Resilience. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. Yeah, buying. And so today that, that, you know, Gunnar mentioned that a little bit more. Um, and and we, I think we're going to get into that later, but what's going on with the quarantining here, but using that facility somehow that's, you know, on the cards with the federal government uh, using the Howard Springs quarantine facility for something national. And that's Natasha Files is in charge of that. And that's why she's got this swank, you know, title minister for national resilience. I, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> anyway. It's about recruiting yeah. Victorians by the sound of it. 
Oh, yeah. you've got to hand it to Labor. They really know how to spin this stuff, don't they? Uh, yeah. To the point where you're just spinning around because you're just so confused. Yeah. Uh, is this the first time, per Chris, that we've had government departments with more than one minister responsible for them? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, y- y- yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, just at the, the outset, look at so you're chief executive of a government department and you've got more than one master, political master, to keep happy. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be playing them against each other. I mean, these the public servants, these senior public servants know how to manipulate this government. I mean, they've been doing it for four years, so um this just makes it a little easier for them. They'll uh yeah, it's like playing their parents against one another or something. <laughs> I mean, and then look, the, yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. It is, that whole thing's confusing. Um, and we'll see what happens. But and certainly doesn't sound like there's going to be the efficiencies there in terms of the job cuts. This looks like something that Gunnar could use to say, all right, we need to, uh, you know, remove some people here. And this, and this is just how it's going to happen. Very sorry about that. But he hasn't done that. I mean, all he said was, well, he said your jobs are safe. And he said there'll be some natural attrition over the course of an unspecified amount of time. So there's, there's not going to be any savings here either. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what they learned in the last four years. Again, here, I don't know why they're attempting to do this. I mean, I guess they learned maybe that it didn't work last time. Maybe well, they're trying other I, things I now. think what they learned was that um, it, it, it's fine to keep on going business as usual because, yeah. you know, I mean, if, if you think they did a good job, then vote them back in. If you think they did a bad job, then vote them out on the most simplistic level. And they got back in, they got back in with a, enough of a majority to rule outright. So if I'm, yeah. if I'm them, I'm thinking, oh, well, that's cool. Everyone's happy with what we're doing. And remember, it, was, it would have been the public service definitely in the northern <laughs> suburbs here who returned them. So, yeah. um, who, who, you know, like I said last week, like, you know, you still have to look at that, whether or not a liberal government can even win again here because yeah. of the block in the northern suburbs. And like I said, don't be surprised if we have less uh, population at the next election, but more public servants. I would not be surprised. Yeah. I really would not be surprised. So... <laughs> So on the subject of, uh, of that uh, money, when are they releasing the budget? Yeah, so look, uh, the, the new treasurer, Michael Gunner, has come <laughs> down and they've released the sitting dates uh, this week for, for the rest of the year and all of next year through Speaker Nauria Kitt. Uh, the budget, the much-anticipated, highly anticipated 2020 <laughs> budget will come out on November 10th now. That's about six months after it was supposed to be released in May. Um, of course, delayed because of COVID. And uh, on some level, that's understandable. What maybe isn't is that we still don't know what the 2019-20 numbers are. And for that matter, we don't know really what they're operating on right now either because the numbers that they released at the end of July uh, were not real numbers um, because they still didn't have the 1920 numbers. So um, look, on November 10th, that's going to be an important day. That's when we're really going to get to see the extent of, uh, of where we're at. I think I'm not looking forward to that day. It's going to be a long day sitting there in those <laughs> in the, you know, well, you know, oh, geez, I'm thinking they won't let me into the budget lockup. I've been to every budget for the past, you know, seven, seven budgets. Um, and you, you sit there in this lockup uh, and you've got Treasury officials who, you know, you're going through here because 
they're very adept at um, not making the numbers very clear for you. And so you're going through everything and you get to ask the staffers, oh, what about this? So oh, what about that? So, um, yeah, this, this year will be a bit of a challenge for us. But I think what I'll do is um, I'll get some good uh, financial experts together and we'll all go through it and, um, and really try and paint an accurate picture for people of exactly where we're at. And, and that, like I said, I'm saying it's not going to be easy, but uh, that's what we'll do. Um, of course, this week, Leo Fanacchiaro, leader of the opposition, uh, really came out and attacked the government on the fact that after the budget is passed, so the estimates hearings will happen in, uh, in December, in early December for four days. And usually that goes for two weeks, uh, three days each week, six days. Uh, so that's not going to happen this year. There's been moved back to four days and she was upset that, uh, you know, that, that they won't get enough time to scrutinize, uh, the budget processes and the expenses that they've paid, uh, uh, that they've yeah, been paying for the past year and a half now because, well, by that point, it'll be a year and a half. The last estimates were in June, 2019. So who do you think is going to be shadow treasurer? Oh yeah. Good question. Um, nah, well, they always wanted uh, Tracy Ace for that role, but she didn't get in. So, um, yeah, who 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 will it be? Yeah, who do you think? It won't be it won't be Leah. <laughs> Leah, no, it, it might it might very well. Um, yeah, which makes a little more sense than her being leader and treasurer. But well, yeah, I don't know. In terms of experience, she's the only one that was there for the last term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you're going to have difficulty putting anybody else in there. Higgins um, is gone. I don't. Yeah. Who else they have in terms of numbers or background on that? I don't know. <laughs> hmm. You know, Steve Edgington uh, has certainly some experience uh, with regional councils and things like that, so perhaps that would be an option. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's okay. that's going to be interesting. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so that 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 is going to be interesting. Though that budget will just be. You know, because people are saying that eight point two billion, you know, that's that's not accurate. And it really wasn't wasn't based on any hard numbers. So uh let's see. I think I think we're looking at a lot more in terms of, North of that. that but, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. By um spend it yeah, up. By so December, who knows? So maybe that's what the uh, AFP were doing during the week when <laughs> they uh, executed a uh, search warrant on a uh, Darwin CBD government building site. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, a bit surprising. They were saying um, that, uh, well, you know, it's that, that new health house that they're talking about where like 800 health public servants will be. Um, not sure what's wrong with the, the current, but, you know, that, that, that whole project was a bit strange because it really wasn't needed, but here it is the state of the art office building now. <laughs> um, and anyway, yeah, so the AFP, uh, Rated it last week, looking for documents as part of an ongoing investigation, and the details of which we don't really know, except that, of course, uh, the CFNEU have come out now and said that uh, that it was their office that was raided, and um, they're saying it's political. It's um, uh, you know, a liberal government has uh, got these officers in from Queensland, wherever, to uh, to raid them as some sort of payback. Uh, so, yeah, but you know the. the yeah, I just remember there's always been kind of questions about that building in terms of uh, 
how the contracts were awarded and stuff and who was building the contract and why it wasn't a lie. It wasn't a local company. Uh, yeah. But I'm, but I'm not casting any aspersions on anybody there. I mean, I honestly don't know what that raid was about and people we've talked to. It's um, still unclear completely, right. but I'm sure you know, someday maybe we'll find out. They had their reasons, no doubt. AFP rating, uh, yeah, office space in the Darwin CBD is, is not, not a regular uncommon. occurrence. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it's very uncommon. So, uh, well, that we know of, who knows? Uh, Chris, tell us, uh, tell us about the um, quarantining tab that we're picking up for interstate holiday makers. <laughs> Yeah, I think we were we, we touched on this a bit last week. We have a bit more information now this week, but I think we were saying, what was I saying? We're the leper capital or something. Like, we're a leper colony. We bring them in, um, we clean them up, and then we send them on to wherever they want to go. <laughs> and so uh, the chief minister this week was on radio saying that uh, that's, in fact, what's going on. And, in fact, that he says, you know, when people come in here from hotspots, so those hotspots being, of course, Victoria, Melbourne, uh, uh, and spots in Sydney, um, that, and I think somewhere else in New South Wales too. But anyway, where the hotspot travelers come in and they pay $2,500 for mandatory quarantine for two weeks, he said that that actual cost is probably more around uh, $3,300, $3,400. So, and that, yeah, that, uh, yeah, is a bit surprising. I wonder how they really make that that determination, yeah. though, because there'd be a lot of variables there in terms of how many people at a time, I would think. But, how much you know, air conditioning you use, how much you don't yeah. use. Yeah, and it's getting, it's <laughs> getting you turn the lights so, off when you leave. <laughs> yeah, and you've got, um, but I guess you've always had a consistent number of about 600 there, right, at any time, mm-hmm. five to 600 now since, since July 17th. Um, we now know that, that about 3,080 people have been quarantined for two weeks since July 17th. So you put that together. Uh, let's take a middle, you know, 3,300, let's say 3,350. Anyway, for um, for that, you're looking at, yeah, $2.6 million here that the taxpayers have subsidized for people being quarantined. Now, where it becomes a bit of an issue, I think, is that, that these people quarantine they now go on to other states with the harder borders, places that they wouldn't have been able to get into if they come from their home state. <laughs> and, you know, the anecdotal reports that they're not spending any money, that as soon as they get out there in the garden, they're driving towards the Queensland border. And see you later, NT. <laughs> um, so uh, we're hopping on the plane. Uh, now, one of the things, though, that so the, the, the gunners that kind of was revealed this week is that $2,500 figure. And remember, they made that up back in April when they started moving them into hotels for, for a while. And we were doing stories about hotels. We were only charging like 850 for two weeks. And then it became <laughs> 2500 So Gunners admitted that that's just an arbitrary figure. that They just pulled yeah. it out of their ass at some point and said, yeah, that's what we think it'll cost. And now they're realizing that, you know, four months, five months later, that it's actually costing, well, he says somewhere around thirty three, thirty four hundred. Uh yeah. Um, now, so what was supposed to be a deterrent in terms of that $2,500 fee, people are looking at that now and saying, yeah, hey, that's not too bad. Yeah. Two weeks. We can go yeah. up there. We can do that. And then we can go wherever we want. 
and we'll go on a, on a proper holiday. All we got to do is two weeks there. Two weeks goes by pretty fast. Um, and by all accounts, you know, like we've had people in there. It's not that bad. It's actually <laughs> we've got a summer camp vibe going on there, I think. And uh, everybody's mingling and high-fiving. I don't know what's going on, but uh, they're making friends for life in there. Uh, uh, you yeah, prefer it's more like hard labor, would you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they start, have, they, have they started serving beef in there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what Braden was striking over, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that's the one. He went on a hunger yeah. strike, remember? Yeah. No, the Fanny Bay Jail, that's where they should be saying. <laughs> um, that's the hard stuff. But yeah, that, that, that idea that Gunnar had that that's a deterrent and now it actually is attracting people here. So we're bringing people in who think that they may, who, you know, may have the virus and then they're who trying to thought the detox. Who would have <laughs> thought would there be such a thing as quarantine arbitrage? exactly and who would have thought the government would have botched their numbers again hey yeah and so look he's saying that um that they're that they've been talking this is where we'll get back to national resilience i think that's what they mean by this now i can't be 100 percent sure but he he did say the talks were ongoing with the federal government and he said i think his quote was something like we're we're offering an essential essentially a national service at the moment so people can fly in, uh, get clean, if you will, in a detox of some sort, and then uh, turn them back over and let them into polite society again. So uh, he's saying now that discussions will continue with the federal government about using those facilities um, for possible future federal purposes. But he didn't really say what 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 he what he meant by that, and if taxpayers will still be footing, you know, if territory taxpayers will still be, because if he's going there for that, he probably should have been very clear enough front saying, look, I'm going to the federal government to get some money for this, because if we're being used as, um, you know, this, this facility uh, to, to, to cleanse people and to get them ready to go wherever else they want to go, well, yeah, the Fed should be kicking in for that. And in fact, the territory taxpayers are paying for holiday makers. Well, that's a bit hard to justify. And, and, I guess, you know, Gunnar also said that he'd look at increasing the costs to people. I mean, but then the other issue is, are those enforceable, right? Like, I, I still think that a lot of people probably won't pay that bill and say, yeah, too bad. What are you going to do about it? I'm Queensland yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, there's some issues there. There's some things that weren't really well thought out. Um, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where they go again. We'll be following it. Hard to believe it wasn't well thought out. Now, um, <laughs> Chris, uh, something that has made news in relation to uh, plastic waste from Victoria being trucked to the NT through via Darwin City Council and being used on roads that are being redone. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was uh, a, a, a bit of a weird story. Um, so the council came out this week and they said... Uh, they said, look, we've, we've got this new program. We're using uh, recycled materials to pave roads now. It's kind of like a recycled asphalt. And it's got ink cartridges, <laughs> a whole bunch of other waste products, glass, glass bottles and stuff that would be crushed down. And they put out a release, and um, Roxanne Fitzgerald, our reporter, said, uh, you know, is that worth doing? I said, that sounds like something worth doing. I think that's the story. I think give them a call. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by that. 
and I think that our readers will be. And so, yeah, it did. It went, it went very well for us online. We got a lot of readers. Well, then somebody calls and tells us that uh, the program might not be as, as, uh, <laughs> as advertised completely. So we then find out that, um, that it's not our, our the Northern Territories, you know, rubbish or waste that's uh, being used. And in fact, it's being trucked from Victoria. Oh, God. So COVID, something like COVID you know, capital. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, the road to hell is paved with Victoria's <laughs> rubbish. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So look now there are, there are reasons for this. Um, and the company, uh, said, and we talked to, to the anti-recycling services who said that they approached that company who does it and said, you know, we'd like to be involved. We think we can do that here. Um, they then found out that, look, it's going to cost, uh, it might be cost prohibitive to bring in a, a machine, if you will, that, that can kind of break down uh, and crush those materials to the point that it can be used for asphalt. Um, and right now, council hasn't um, backed anything like that. So, you know, meanwhile, we have the people in recycling services rightly saying, like, look, we've got a lot of, uh, uh, how did they describe it? Basically, a mountain of shattered glass and plastic at the Shoal Bay waste facility that continues to grow everywhere year. Um, and meanwhile, we're bringing in uh, waste <laughs> from interstate when we should yeah. be able to find a way. But then... <laughs> you know, we get back into a big issue that you guys would know very well about how just the recycling services in the NT and, and Darwin especially have been um, really bad. I think when I came in here six years ago, you couldn't even recycle a bottle anywhere. I don't think they even had uh, recycling yeah. for that. So, um, yeah, that it just seems like, look, if that technology exists, that's a great thing. I think council really needs to get behind that. I think that if we can recycle our waste and if we've got plastic and glass just piling up out there and we can use it for something, then let's get on there and do it. I think that would be really good. Yeah, it's always been the issue with recycling and you know whether it's anecdotal evidence or whether it's fact, is there's always been this, um, I guess, conversation piece in different parts of Australia where... We put two, sometimes three different coloured bins out in the street to get collected. Uh, yet, ironically, it all ends up in the same hole. So, uh, you know, it, it makes people feel good that they're putting the plastics in the, the yellow bin or, or what have you. But mm. if it's not being recycled, it's, it's a really, it's a fruitless task. Yeah, and... Um yeah, I think that that's what we heard here not too long ago, right? I mean, yeah, there's always yeah. been those allegations yeah. <laughs> that it's not going anywhere. So, um, yeah, so here you got something that, like, this, is, this seems really practical to me. Yeah. And something we can use. So, um, but, yeah, the weather, the will's there, I don't know. It hasn't been in the past, so what's to make it now? <laughs> Maybe there should be a minister for recycling services <laughs> or something. Yeah. Why not? It's a bad <laughs> idea. It's a bad idea. Well, if you can have a minister for almost everything else, surely. <laughs> just making them up now. Like, it's just, and I don't even know why. I mean, I guess you're promoting what you're doing and you look at those things and say, okay, I guess they really want international students here, but why not just go and do it? Like, why create all these things? And then national resilience just still doesn't make any sense. I don't care if they're talking about the Howard Springs facility being used as a, a national thing. Like, re resilience? Yeah, yeah. no. Um, and just digital, what was the other one? 
Kirby got that. Well, didn't he? Something about digital engagement or something like that. <laughs> That's, isn't that using Tinder? <laughs> yeah. Well, don't worry. Kirby's on top of that now. So uh, we're all in good hands. Very good. Well, we'll uh, catch you again next week, Chris. It's been entertaining as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. That was Chris Walsh from the NT Independent Online Newspaper on the weekend edition of the Territory Story podcast. Don't forget, if you want to give us a review, get onto Apple Podcasts. We'd love a five-star review and tell us what you think of the podcast. Weekends with Walshy, back again next week. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Territory Story podcast with Leon Logan-Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms. The Territory Story Podcast, thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.